Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, October 17th, 2005. Hi everyone, this is your host Michael Ozan and on behalf of my partner Mark Horseman and I, welcome back to Manager Tools. Those of you who've been with us know that Manager Tools is a management podcast focused on providing managers and leaders specific actions you can take on a daily basis to improve your management effectiveness. Today, Mark and I respond to some questions we've recently received on managing virtual teams. Now, whether you have one team member at a different location, spread across the corporate campus, spread across the continent, or spread across the globe, you'll find value in today's podcast. So, let's roll. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. If everybody wonders why we're chuckling a little bit, because we're only like on the fifth take of the, <laughs> of only getting five words out of our mouth. That's so. what happens when you get together to do these podcasts. Yeah, and and we should probably start them before midnight or something like that. So in any case, today I think we're going to talk about um, virtual teams. We've got some questions, actually some questions from folks relative yep. to that. That's not, weren't where, wasn't where we we're going, but we got some uh, questions from a listener of ours raised a couple of interesting issues and points around virtual teams that kind of got us excited and thought we'd want to share with folks tonight. Yeah. One of the reasons I thought it was timely is if you take a step back and you think about corporate America in the last 30, 40 years and the advent of technology, I mean, 30, 40 years ago, long distance phone calls were prohibitively expensive. You only made long distance phone calls if somebody died. Yeah, exactly. Now, as Bill Gates rightly predicted, the cost of a long distance phone call is zero thanks to cell phones, if nothing else. And the combination of technology and web and virtual, all that kind of stuff, has created, an, and the cost of traveling and so on is such that uh, if you can make a team virtual rather than co-locating them, if it gives you an advantage in terms of being close to the customer, um, that's a good thing to do. Now, that has, says nothing about how hard it is to manage, which we're going to talk about here in this podcast, um, but more and more companies are doing it. If, if it's not affecting you now, if you don't manage a team that's virtual, you probably have at least one of your workers that's remote to you. So many of the things we're going to talk about here would, would increase the chances that they become part of your team. Or if you have people working on different shifts, which so much happens now. If you think about the technical community, when you've got, um, you've got Infosys, you've got, uh, you've got people in India, um, you've got people in the Philippines or in Japan or you know anywhere in Southeast Asia. Um, we've, we've basically got global operations. Things are happening around the clock. Um, and that's a great thing, but it, it makes an enormous strain on, on the management of that team. And if you just think that, as IBM once said, well, if you want to remote your team, that's fine. We don't care. And what happens, they put a lot of managers in situations where they were managers of teams just like the ones that were co-located. But managing a team that's remote from you, part of it or all of it, a virtual team in, in completeness or in part of it, is enormously difficult. And uh, we get questions about it, and we thought we'd address it today. Yeah, I think um, actually the higher in management you go, the more certain it is you are. You are going to be managing a virtual team. Yeah. So whether you are right now or not, you will eventually be managing a virtual team. Yeah. If you're a VP, the chances that all of your directors, for instance, or senior directors or whatever title you you you, uh, you have in your organization, the chances they're all in your location, pretty slim. It might be if you're a manager with a bunch of direct reports and those are frontline workers, maybe maybe you don't have a virtual team. Maybe you only have one or two people that are remote. You move up to be a, a senior manager and you got several managers working for you, really good chance that a couple of those people are going to be remote. You get to VP and you're going to have remote people reporting to you. Right. And you've got to do this kind of stuff. The kind of things we're going to talk about today, we've got four key steps. Um, or four things we need to talk about. Um, if you don't do this stuff, you're not going to have a team. You'll have a work group. 
Yeah, well, let me ask you a question because some sure. people make a distinction between virtual teams and remote teams. And I think what we're talking about, some people would say remote teams and virtual team. We're not talking about where you're putting a team together where some of the people are reporting directly to you, some people are not. You're putting a virtual team of uh, a team from marketing, a team from engineering, a team from product management in this kind of virtual team, if you will, where right. they're not necessarily reporting to you. So that's right. not what we're talking about here. We're talking about now. But, is, well, you're right, Mike. I mean, we, we were making a distinction about people who you essentially write the annual review for, right? That's the way right. we, were, we intended it. But, but you know, there's no question that if you're part of a project team that is essentially virtual, it's the uh, it's the project alpha team, and you all report to other people, but you're the team lead, and it's an additional duty. Same what we're going to talk about yeah. here absolutely applies. I mean, you know, they've done studies in large organizations, Mike, that if you are uh, more than a hundred yards away from somebody in your organization, even if you're in the same building, um, it they might as well be remote to you. The chances that you're going to see them in normal day-to-day operation and have a relationship with them are almost the same as if they lit, worked across the street from you, or for that matter, across the zip, a zip code or a continent, for that matter. Literally, because of the way people tend to address their workplace. Uh, right, and some large organizations where they have these campuses. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, Different you, buildings. You don't see people, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, here we got all these people co-located in order to increase communication, and somebody says, oh, he's over in Building C. Dang it. Or they call somebody, hey, do you know anybody over in Building C? I really need to talk to somebody over there. Well, get up out of your chair. Go walk over there and say, hey, does anybody know where Joe lives, Do where Joe works? Um, so, yeah, yes, it, it, we're, we're more specifically focusing on those people who report to you who may be in a different location. Um, but but 80% of this still applies to those virtual teams, even if they don't report to you. All right, Mark. Well, let's, why don't you give us some brief general guidelines around teams in general, and then we can get into the specifics about virtual teams. Okay, good. Um, you know, a lot of times we talk about virtual teams and everybody focuses on virtual, but let's at least spend a minute talking about teams. Teams are built on trust. If you don't have a lot of trust among the fellow people in your work group, if you will, you're, you're not on a team. Okay. A lot of times that means having a boss. If you don't trust your boss, you're not on a team. If that boss isn't more like a captain to you that you have a lot of trusting relationship with, then you're probably not on a team. The teams are really simple in the abstract, and they're this. Teams are built on trust. All team building, Mike, is trust building. And when you hear people say we're going to go off site and, and build a team, not jump not off a cliff, have somebody catch rogue, you, rogue's <laughs> course or the backward trust fall, those are actually they're rooted in the right mentality. But the idea that you go off site for a day, that you have to create trust off site, the chance of you bringing that back into the workplace is limited because people come back and they got email and voicemail and they lose it and they remember that day, but they don't remember the behaviors they need back in the workplace. So. Teams are built on trust. All team building is trust building. Trust in humans comes from the relationships we have with other people. When we think about relationships, human beings think about communication. The relationships that we think are the strongest in our lives tend to be the ones that we have more and better communication with. Human beings, in fact, when you ask them how, to evaluate, how they evaluate communication, they'll say something very simple. They'll say, look... How often do you talk to me? And how often do you talk to me about things that are interesting to me? We have a quality factor and a quantity factor. If you want to build a team, the starting place, the fundamental starting place is talking to your people more about what's important to them. Okay, Those are the core interpersonal communication, trust building issues around teams. Now, there are some other ways that you can help build it. But fundamentally, if you're not going to the issue of trust and relationships, communication is not happening. Okay, So... 
let's be clear that when we talk about virtual teams, we're still talking about teams. And even if you do all the stuff we're suggesting, if you really don't have an interest in communicating frequently about stuff that's important to other people in the team to include their personal lives, um, as much as I know some people don't like hearing that, if you're not willing to engage in those kind of things to, to, to be trustworthy, you're not going to have a virtual team. You're not going to have a team to begin with. Right. It just makes it harder when they're not right with you because it reduces the chances you're going to see them and say hello. It reduces the chances you're going to talk to them about their lives and they're going to talk to you about their lives um, and about your life and so on. It reduces the chance for frequent communication of value. Simple okay. as that. Okay. So that's kind of a basic about teams. Again, we'll do several podcasts about teams because we want all of our managers to create great teams in their organizations. Okay. Okay. So what about – so I, I gather then that – Quantity and quality communications is more difficult on, about with virtual teams. Yes, right. And what? So I assume we want to talk about that a little bit. But, the, but what else about teams yeah. is more difficult as a result of it being virtual? Well, let's say this. Let, let's agree there are three key things that I want to suggest. I, I want to give three concrete steps that any manager of a team that in some way is virtual, in terms of remoteness. Um, uh, three things they can do immediately that will increase the chances that they'll have great they'll they'll move toward uh, along the team um, they'll move toward creating a team. The first thing you need to do is select your people exceptionally well. Okay, um, if you have a team, if you have a work group full of individual performers that really don't want to communicate and tend to be a little bit abrasive and so on, you're never going to have a team. You might have some individual performers, but if there's a crisis, it's going to be unlikely that you're going to make it through unless the work you do is so very specialized, and most people think it is, but in fact it's not. Um, uh, you're going to struggle to have that team feeling. Um, so being virtual makes it very hard to have a team if you don't screen exceptionally well for both technical skills and for those solid team communication slash interpersonal skills. Okay, um, what that means is what you need to do is have a very tough interviewing process. Set the bar even higher than you normally would to hire somebody if if the people who worked for you were all co-located to you. In fact, what I suggest is do two interviews. The first interview may be fairly standard. You, you, you talk about your technical skills, um, and then you also ask some interpersonal communication skills as well. And then you do a second interview only for those people who pass the first one. And this one you focus specifically on the team and interpersonal skills. For instance, you ask for several questions about examples in their background about good communication skills. For instance, tell me about a time where your communication skills led to the success of a project you were involved in with the rest of the team. Tell me about a time where you had to resolve a conflict with someone who was a peer, a subordinate, a superior of yours. What exactly did you do and why did that lead to successful resolution? Hopefully, managers now are hearing me ask behavioral questions, which is a cornerstone of all good interviews. Again, this is not about interviewing, but these are the kind of questions you can ask. Um, tell me about a time where you had to negotiate with, for, with someone in order to achieve what you wanted. Maybe you had to give up something that you wanted in order for the, another team member to get what they wanted so the whole team could move forward. Uh, tell me about a time where you were a team member as opposed to a team leader. And maybe you had to subjugate your ego, uh, even if you're a top performer, to allow the team to get where it needed to go. Those are some examples, some questions that I would ask in my second interview. And I would preface the interview very upfront. I'd say, look, this is a remote team. It's going to be very hard for us to feel like a team unless we ask for some extra behaviors uh, on everybody's behalf. It's going to be harder to be a team of high performers or a high-performing team um, among this group 
because we're remote unless we have exceptional communicators and exceptional team players. And team players tend to be ones that communicate very, very well. That's why I'm having this detailed communication-based interview. Um, after the second interview, I'm going to add yet another step. So maybe it's a three-step process, if you will. Uh, I'm going to do give them detailed briefings on team ground rules, which we'll talk about in step three here in a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about how I expect them to communicate, what the meeting standards are, what the internal team processes are, what I, how, what my standards are as far as authority and responsibility. I'm going to be very clear about those things up front because I want them to be focusing more on their relationships when they join the team rather than on teaching them the basics of the work. Uh, I'm also going to have a little bit higher standard in terms of the technical skills because I'm not going to be able to coach them as easily. Even if I'm not the trainer, I'm not going to be able to coach them as easily if, if they're mm. distant from me. Okay? So that's the people selection step. That's step one. Okay? Um, step two. Now, there are, by the way, step one and step two, many people are going to say, oh, Mark, I can't do that. Well, I disagree. I've had many people many times say, and one of the reasons I'll say step one, I can't do that. I was handed this team. I don't get to hire them. I say, well, okay, I'll suggest two things for you. Anybody new to the team, follow the process I just laid out. Gradually over time, you'll move your team in the direction you want. Yes, I know that you were handed a team of 12 people and they're distant from you. Okay. What you could do is you could take everybody through the interview process again, and that would be a good level setting for the entire team. Tell them, look, I want to take you through an interview process. It's a way for me to get to know you. If it adds a little bit of anxiety on their part, take some time to prepare, I don't mind that at all. In fact, if one of them went to HR and said, why is my manager interviewing me again? I'd have HR call me and say, the reason I'm interviewing again is that interviewing is normally a great way to get to know new team members. This, to me, is a new team member. It's not an unprofessional thing to do. It's a reasonable thing for me to do to level set with them. It gives me a chance to communicate with them. And it sees how they communicate under stress, which is not a bad thing to know about a team member. Okay? Step two. Before, go before you go to yeah. step two, though, let me ask a question because something you said about interpersonal skills led me to, in my mind, to think about the qualities of the leader. Not, not the individuals themselves, right. but right. the leaders themselves. Are there some styles or dispositions of leaders that predispose them to success or not having success in leading virtual teams. and Yes, okay. <laughs> of course there are. You know, it's funny. We're both West Point graduates. We were in the Army, and there are people who have opinions about that. They think of us as being somewhat like Patton, I guess, or um, you know, General Schwarzkopf, great graduate of West Point, but not necessarily a person like us. Um, you know, that, that military mindset is probably not an accurate um, uh concept to have for people like you and I. There, there are type A forceful leaders all across the spectrum. They don't have to be necessarily in the military. I generally think that the behaviors that make for an exceptional leader, in addition to vision, in addition to technical skills and so on, I think it takes exceptional communication skills. And and I've told you this, I've told many people this before, that communication is actually what the listener does. A great leader is somebody who, when she speaks knows whether or not the message is getting through because they recognize she recognizes my team is hearing me or not and they ask for feedback um i could spend hours talking about the kind of behavior i would take but generally a forceful dictatorial leader will not be effective in creating a virtual team okay and so the point here would be one is we haven't talked a lot about this but one needs to understand their own style the strengths and the weaknesses of such yes and then when when looking at management opportunities if it's a if it's a virtual team oh, and you and you stand in the spectrum of you're kind of the more di- dictatorial because you're technically brilliant and that you've been able to do that in your promotion. If you're there, the then you just just need to understand what the, the challenges of a virtual team and you may not have the natural uh, 
yeah. style. Now, it's doesn't be say harder you, working. Doesn't yeah. say you can't you can't change your style, but what comes natural to you is going to be difficult in managing virtual teams. Great point. Thanks, Mike. Um, okay. okay, step two. Good, good. Step two. Now, this is another step that people are going to say, "Oh gosh, Mark, I can't do that." And I've had people tell me that before, and I figured out a way to help them get the budget to do it. But this is something I'm telling you, if you can figure out a way to fall on your budget sword and have a face-to-face meeting of the team. Okay, now people are saying, oh, I can't fly them all in. Well, it depends on how creative you're willing to be. Again, this is not a time to talk about how you can manage your budget, but and we'll have a cast about that, obviously. But I would follow my sword about this. If I were taking over a team, I would say, look, I'm willing to take it over. But you got to give me the budget. I want your word as the VP or whatever that you're going to give me the budget to bring everybody in, and I'm going to spend two days with them before I send them back out. Or we'll go to a central location to save on dollars or time or whatever. We can be budget sensitive. We can be logistically sensitive. But I want everybody on this team in the same place at the same time for two days. Every single study you talk about, you do any sort of research on the web about virtual teams, you will find that teams that meet face-to-face, that do that meet-and-greet kind of thing, the establishing the beginning of the relationship, having the old phrase of putting a face with a name, is incredibly powerful in terms of building trust to start that whole teaming process. Because that's what it starts with. All team building, as I said before, is trust building. Um, I would make it about two days long, three if you can get it. Literally, 75% of that agenda is going to be about bonding, is about getting to know one another. Um, about 20% of it is going to be about team rules, about how we're going to interact with one another. And I'm willing to have brainstorming about the ways, if they've been on the team for a while, if I'm new, I'm going to hear from them what, what has worked and what's not. And only 5% is going to be about the actual work. We're going to have plenty of time to work together. Every other, All but these two days for the rest of the year, we're going to be working. These two days, we can spend time getting to know one another. Um, now, this is a good point to mention that one of the things uh, our, our uh, listeners can do is go to the web, and one of the tools we're going to have is not just a PowerPoint, which goes through these points um, that they can download so they have a, a reference point from the, from the cast, but also a rough agenda about how, how to have your team members introduce themselves to the rest of the group, how you can schedule a couple hours' time right at the beginning, and they can, each person can introduce themselves. They've probably seen it done before as an icebreaker, but it's a very powerful thing. It's my favorite way to introduce a group if they're working together, if I'm facilitating, and that'll be uh, uh, posted on the, the website for everybody. Um, I, I would... I would. Everybody introduces themselves to everybody else. There's going to be a lot of activities in which people are paired up with one another. Um, we're going to eat lunch and dinner together probably both days our agendas are probably going to go until nine o'clock at night um we're probably going to have a movie one of those nights we're all going to sit down and and share a movie together probably a movie that everybody's heard of we're not going to agree on we're going to know the movie in advance um we're probably going to have dessert together um and i and i feel so strongly about this if a, a new member joins i'm going to figure out a way to get a budget to bring everybody back together now people say boy mark now you're the one smoking crack well i'm just telling you that's what makes for effective team building. You can get away probably without doing it if you know you're going to have another team member join and you wait and you wait until two people have joined. But if you can figure out a way to do it every time somebody joins, you're going to be more effective. Is this important to do once a year? or I would say at a minimum once a year just because, gosh, everybody I'm working with, I'm sure it's your, your experience as well, Mike, work changes. People change. Jobs change. If you can't get the money, the budget, to do it when somebody leaves or joins, say, can I do it annually and, and get it done, get it set up? If you've got it in the budget this year, you should be able to, you should be a good enough manager to get it in the budget for next year. And so even if you had three people leave and you had two people replace them or three people replace them, fine. Get it and do it again next year. People are going to 
at, they may not like it in the beginning. Some people will shy away from it, but after you do it, they're going to want to do it every single year. They're going to feel better about work in the month after that. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then last step, uh, last thing that I strongly recommend is really elevating the team communication processes, which in most work groups would just be email and voicemail and face-to-face, really elevated to the point where you put some distinct rigor around team communications, okay? For example, here are some of the diehard rules that I suggest to managers that I'm working with in this area. Um, Every single person on the team does a weekly report by email and copies everybody else on the mail. And by the way, I'm not a big fan of attachments, so I'd put it right in the body of the email. I don't want people spending an hour and a half on Friday afternoon doing it. I want it done in 30 minutes or so, and everybody gets a copy, okay? Um, And in general, I want everybody on the team copied on darn near everything so everybody knows what's going on. Yes, email volume is increased, but it makes makes people feel more included. It makes them know what the rhythm of the team is and why some people are stressed and some people are not. I have found over and over again that people can deal with it just fine. Okay, weekly one-on-ones for me, if I'm the team manager, the team leader is is such a core behavior that if my team is co-located with me, I might miss a couple of more a year and I would not miss them if there's any way I could avoid it other than for vacations and sick time um, if my team is distant from me. Not terribly expensive anymore and thanks to bandwidth webcams for everybody on their computers. And I had some, a manager say once, well, gee, Mark, that's the whole value of being remote. I don't want to have to get dressed up for work. Said, you know what? This is a professional place. I don't care whether you're working out of your home or not. I, I, if I came and visited and I found out that you had to clean up your house for clean up your workspace for a week, I'd really be concerned about how professional you were about working with our clients, working with our customers. Um, and, and I've talked to enough HR people that that is not an unreasonable thing to expect people to do. Um, if it makes people dress up a little bit to come to work, I'm okay with that. Uh, that's an egg I'm willing to break to make the omelet I want to make. Um, I'm going to have 24-hour response deadlines for all emails. You're not, you're not going to be a part of a team and blow me off by essentially ignoring my email for 48 hours. We're not going to do that. And I'm going to find out if people don't respond within 24 hours, and you're going to get some feedback on it. I'm going to give you an eight-hour deadline for responding to voicemails. And, you know, I, I said this to a manager once, and the guy was like, geez, you sound like, you know, kind of a dictator. I said, you can't say teams are important and then not engage in behaviors that make for teams. Teams are built on trust. Trust is built on relationship. Relations come from communication. And if I blow you off all the time on communication you send me, I begin to believe that you don't trust me. And so we're not going to have a team. I know it sounds kind of corny, but I recommend virtual birthday parties. If you have a birthday and it's this month or it's this week, everybody's going to sing you happy birthday, even if it means webcams. Do they have to wear hats? Oh, I'll be flexible there. Um, I have very strict dial-in rules for meetings. If we have a team meeting, everybody dials in. Um, And you know what? No mute buttons, okay? No do an email while you're on the meeting. It's amazing. People tell me, I didn't do email while I was in that meeting, and I got an email from this person during the meeting. They just forgot that they were on a meeting because they had muted the button. Oh, I'm not ever involved there. Uh, no IMing, no instant messaging during the meetings. Um, that may be an honor system kind of thing. Um, uh, but I'm amazed how many people decry dial-in conference calls. And the reason is because everybody puts the thing on mute. And when you say, Bob, what do you think about that? Bob? Bobby there. Oh, 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 yeah, I'm here. Well, you know what? Bob's not in that meeting. He's essentially walked out of the room and he's doing something else. Not effective. Does not make the team feel like he feels like he's a part of them. Okay. Um, I recommend individual web pages. 
something that really, really helps. Ask people to spend a little bit extra time, give them a template, say, I need you to post some some documents here. And, and the team is there. It's got a picture. It's got some text. It's got some background, birthday, family members, and so on. So if I want to refresh myself about somebody on a team, I can do that very easily. Picture of the house, where they live, those kind of things. Um, and then I also recommend a monthly update. In addition to the weekly update, a monthly update, um, hopefully with some stuff about what's going on outside of work. Uh, those are some simple things you can do that elevate the communications that a team engages in. And since all team building is trust building and all trust building is essentially founded in communication, those are going to increase the chances that the, the group that is spread across the globe or spread across time zones or just remote from you, not co-located with you, that you're going to have a better chance of making a team out of what amounts to, in most cases, a work group. That's yeah, a lot of great stuff there. And yeah, you went through some of it pretty quickly. I hope people go back and rewind it and listen to the 10 or 15 things that you shared there because they're all, like, like for example, email and IMs during meetings. Even yeah, haven't you seen that, though? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I've, uh, I've actually engaged in it, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and it's, real, it's real easy to do. So. I'll be at a client tomorrow, and I'll be a conference call, and, and, and it will, I guarantee it'll happen. Somebody will be on. Well, it's it. not even when people are on conference calls. It's when people right. are sitting around a conference room team in the executive in yeah, the boardroom, and they all got their blackberries. Their thumbs on. underneath the table <laughs> yes. and the blackberries going on. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that. Before. All hands up so, above so the crazy. table, please. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, I, I um, and, and that's why we're going to put the, the the PowerPoint on the web so people can print it out and it'll remind them of some of the things we, we've suggested. And we encourage them if they if they have things. Let's get some interactivity going here. Um. um uh, we, we've got a number of people downloading our show now, um, thousands, and um, we'd like to hear back from them, the things that work for them. And we're going to do this again. We're going to come back to Teams. Teams are going to be easily five podcasts, and this is just one part of it, virtual Teams. Great. And if people have resources in terms of, you know, I know there, and we don't have enough time here to t- talk about them all, but there are a number of resources out there, for example, creating personal websites. So if you had uh, each of your team had a blog, for example, that'd be right. real, pretty simple right. to put up. Pretty straightforward now. It depends. You know, you got to have some smarts. and Yeah. You know, I, let me interrupt real quick, Mike. I had somebody say, oh, yeah, everybody could do websites or everybody could do blogs. And then the manager goes, God, now I have to become an expert in blogs or websites. And I wanted to grab the manager and say, no, you don't. There's somebody in your team who knows more about it than you do. You don't have to do everything just because you're the manager. Ask your team, hey, does anybody know anything about individual websites or blogs? And you'll discover out of a t- group of 10 people, at least two of them, or at least three of them know something about websites, and two of them know something about blogs. And say to them, hey, Bob, you're the guy with the most website ability. Take an additional duty for the team sometime in the next two weeks. Come up with a basic template. Ask your buddies or whatever. Something free that we can we can steal, if you will. And uh, put together a template. Put one up there. And then write us a one-pager that describes to people how to do it. And be willing to be the team resource for the website, for the individual website pages or the blog, individual blog pages. Don't You don't have to do it yourself. The, team, the manager is not responsible for doing it herself. The manager is responsible for ensuring it gets done. Don't do it all yourself. Ask people on your team, much like we talk about in the coaching model. Ask people in your team to be the expert yeah. rather than you. As a manager, focus on the outcome and yep. let your folks figure out the how. Exactly right. right. Yep. Good. Super. All right. Well, this is short, but great. Good. Like people really appreciate this. Full of data. All right, my friend. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Thanks for taking this time and spending with us today. We know that your time is valuable, and we appreciate that you choose to spend some of it with us. Mark and I would like to thank you all. For the first time, we asked last week that you go out to Podcast Alley and vote for us there. A number of you responded, thank you, and as a result, we're currently rated number one in the business genre at Podcast Alley, and believe it or not, in the top 50 of all podcasts. We've been averaging over 20,000 show downloads a month, and 
a single episode has been downloaded over 5,000 times. And all of this through organic growth. And we owe that to each of you. Thank you. We really, really appreciate it. And thanks for the ongoing feedback. As a matter of fact, we received some feedback on how difficult it was to give us feedback on the website. Imagine that. So it's a, it's a little clearer now. Just click on the feedback link below each podcast and you'll be able to get us feedback. It was a little confusing because you had to actually click on the comment link before. So thanks to Andrew from New Zealand for pointing that out. So go to the website or send us an email at show at managertools.com and uh, give us some feedback. So thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you again next week.